We're continuing with this series through the book of Mark called Stepping Into God's Story. And I want to look at following Jesus today. So the title, if you're looking for one, if you're taking notes, Stepping Into God's Story by Following Jesus. Okay, so we're reading from Mark chapter 1, verses 16 to 20. It should come up behind me, but if you've got your Bibles, let's turn to Mark chapter 1, verses 16 to 20. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. At once they left their nets and followed him. When he had gone a little further, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat, preparing their nets. Without delay, he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. Stepping into God's story by following Jesus. So what we want to do this morning is I want to go through the text, uh, highlight a few things that I felt God highlight while I was preparing this message, a few observances that we get from this text straight away, then look at some practical steps to what it means to follow Jesus today. Three things that always happen when we choose to follow Jesus. And then in ending, we're going to take time to have some communion together. I really feel and I can sense the, the tender heart of God here this morning, the Father just wanting to draw us closer to him. Just before I got up, I felt the scripture in Job, which is Job 36 verse 16, which says, he is wooing you from the jaws of distress. Another version says, from the jaws of destruction to a spacious place free from restriction to the comfort of your table laden with choice food. God is drawing us. God is wooing us. Maybe some of us are facing things that are distressing us or facing paths or walking down paths that are leading to certain areas of destruction in our lives. And today God is saying, I'm calling you near to me. I'm drawing you closer to me. And what I'm drawing you to is not rigid. What I'm drawing you to is not confined. It's a spacious place. It's a table laden with not just scraps, but it's a table laden with choice food. Verse 16 says, as Jesus walked beside. The Greek here for walked beside literally means to pass by. Let's, let's dive into this. Let's, let's put on our creative thinking hats at the moment and let's try to picture what it meant to be a fisherman. I like fishing. Started taking the kids fishing. It's, it's really fun. You got your pole. And you, but this is not the fishing that we're talking about. This is not a hobby. This is not fun, something that they were doing to build a relationship with their kids. This was their living. It wasn't with a fishing pole, it was with a net that had uh, weights around it. It was a circular net that had weights around it and they would toss it into the, into the sea, let it fall, and then they'd pull it in. Perhaps what does it look like? Maybe they wake up early in the morning. Obviously, they've got to be on the boat early. So I'm, I'm thinking they, they're, they're waking up early. They, they're grabbing their gear. They're going to the boat. Maybe they're talking. Maybe it's too early to talk and they're still waking up. Maybe they haven't caught anything for the last week and they know that they really need to catch something today or else they're not, they're not gonna make it till the end of the month. This was their living. You look at their hands, they're cracked, they're dry, they're hard working hands. They go out into the boat and they go to their favorite spot. They grab the net and they throw it out. Pull it back in, clear some debris, no fish, throw it out perhaps. Pull it back in, clear the debris, throw it out. Oh, maybe one or two fish. Maybe there's a great catch. Who knows? But this was an ordinary day in the life of an ordinary fisherman. When they woke up that morning, they didn't think, my life is about to change. Maybe all they expected was, man, I just hope I catch a fish today. 
their village hoping maybe they just catch some fish today so we can eat today. It was an ordinary day for some fishermen making a living on catching fish and then the most amazing thing happens is that Jesus passes by. Jesus passes by and everything changes. Can you remember the day that Jesus first passed you by? Perhaps you're here for the first time or perhaps you're really new to church and the idea of Jesus passing you by is maybe a foreign concept to you. If we've put our faith and trust in Jesus, we've had a moment where we've realized Jesus has come and passed by us and called us to follow him, to be his disciples. Can you remember that day? There are times in our walks with God where well, he is even more real than ever before. I know that through faith in Christ, he, he is always present with us and he dwells inside of us by his Holy Spirit. So I can enter the presence of God whenever I want, however I want. I have access to the King of kings and the Lord of all lords. But there've been times in my walk with God and times even in church history where, where God has done something incredible and opened our eyes to see even a greater level of who he is. It's almost like a 2D viewing experience suddenly becomes 4D and it's like, wow. Every one of those moments that I've had in my life have always resulted in a greater following after Jesus, my Lord. Perhaps this is an ordinary Sunday for you. Perhaps this is just another start to an ordinary week. Maybe your expectations for this week aren't anything spectacular. But friends, today Jesus is passing by. Right now, he is wooing us from the jaws of destruction and distress. And he wants us to follow him. I came across this illustration while putting this together. Think of one raindrop that lands inches away from another at a peak in the Rocky Mountains. One flows to the west and ultimately arrives in the Pacific, while the other flows to the east and arrives in the Atlantic. Their destinies are far apart from one another because of that one peak, that decisive moment they hit the land. Is today the day you say yes to following Jesus? Is today that decisive day for you that will determine which way you will go? Friends, today Jesus is passing by. We read on. As Jesus passed by the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. I love how Jesus didn't start his search for his first followers in palaces, in esteemed colleges or schools for those most learned, with military commanders or with those skilled orators of the day. No, he chose the Sea of Galilee, the most unlikely of places. Not to mention he was born in the most unlikely of places in the most unlikely of ways. And he chooses these four fishermen to be his followers up front, the most unlikely of people. That tells me that God can take the most unlikely of situations, circumstances, and people, and me being one of them, and he can say, follow me, and he can change my life and change other lives through me, even though I feel I may be an unlikely candidate. And maybe you feel the same today. Jesus is passing by. As J.C. Ryle says, the first followers of our Lord were not the great of this world. They were men who had neither riches nor rank nor power, but the kingdom of Christ is not dependent on such things as these. Verse 17, come follow me, Jesus said. I love how the call of God is firstly a call to someone and not to something. All through our days, we are bombarded with adverts, with messages, with spam likely calls, 
with someone trying to get you to update that warranty on your car, even when you don't have a car or even have a warranty on a car, as I've chatted to some friends, but they know that your warranty is up. There's this thing, there's that thing, there's the next thing, there's the next best thing, and all of it demands our attention, and, and Jesus doesn't call us to anything at all. He calls us to himself. I love that. That's what sets Christ apart. He calls us to himself. Come and follow me, not come and do this, come and be this, come and leave this. A few challenging thoughts coming up, but to many on the outside world looking in, and maybe you're looking in today, the believer's life look, can look really rigid. I can do this, I can't do that. I can be this, I can't be that. All these things, believers defining their lives by what they stand against rather than what they stand for. Defining their lives by what they can do or, or, or rather, and what they can't do rather than what God has called them to do. Things we have to do and be or cannot do and be. Where Jesus says simply, come to me and follow me. If we could simplify what it means to be a believer right now, could it be as simple as coming to Jesus and following Jesus? Coming to Jesus and following Jesus, that is what he has called us to. In actual fact, two chapters later in Mark chapter three, verse 14, he said, he appointed 12 that they might be with him and that he might send them out. I've noticed in my life that God is constantly calling me into deeper places of intimacy, deeper levels of following him, and in that place of intimacy, he sends me out on his mission. And then while I'm out on his mission, he calls me into deeper levels of intimacy and deeper levels of following him, and then he sends me out on his mission. It's like a circle that doesn't end. Intimacy and mission, intimacy and mission. I think if we're looking at our lives and we realize there's no mission of Christ in our lives, we can trace it back to the fact that there is no intimacy because you cannot be intimate with Christ Jesus and not be on his mission. Why? Because as we are intimate with him, as we grow close to him, as we follow him, he sends us out. He appointed 12 that they might be with him and that he might send them out. Have you noticed that through scripture, the only people who got upset with Jesus were the religious ones, the churchgoers of the day. The sinners, the broken, those that the religious didn't want to hang around, the sick, they all loved Jesus. They all crowded around Jesus. They all fell at his feet. They worshiped Jesus. I was struck by this quote by Gandhi. I like your Christ. I do not like your Christians. Your Christians are so unlike your Christ. Oh Lord, let it not be true of us at Anthem Church. See, following Jesus starts with being him. How can we represent him if we do not know him? How can we know him if we do not spend time with him? Those words, come follow me, this is what they mean. Literally they mean, come after me or more exactly walk after me or walk behind me. Not only in the literal local sense, like right now to the disciples, come and follow me, but actually in the figurative and moral sense, put your dependence and put your trust in me. Jesus' call was that of a rabbi saying, follow me, walk after me as a disciple. I found this really spectacular. In early Jewish writings, the description of a follower of a rabbi, a disciple of a rabbi, was that he was to cover himself in the dust of the rabbi's feet. Picture that. Allow your mind to put that into, into picture. In other words, he was to follow so closely behind the rabbi that he would walk in the dust stirred up by the rabbi's sandals. The picture was of the disciple walking so closely that he was able to imitate every word, every action 
of his rabbi. And when Jesus called these, these followers, these fishermen, they knew this was a rabbi calling them to follow him. I'm reminded of Galatians 5.25. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. A beautiful picture of Jesus walking through the dirt and mess of this world in our lives and us following so closely, step by step, keeping in step with his Spirit. But what does it mean to follow Jesus? That may be inspiring to think about, but what does it actually look like? Well, I think it's, it's important for us to realize that Jesus' call to those early disciples is not the same call that we have today. It's not a call to salvation. He called these four fishermen and his disciples grew to 12 in the, ne- in the next two chapters. But it was a call for them specifically in that geographic location to follow him and be his disciples. We can apply that to our lives and we can learn a lot of practical things from it. But these men literally were fishermen and they stepped out of fishing to follow Jesus. They left their boats, they left their nets, they left their parents. That was them stepping out and following Jesus. I suppose in looking at this in terms of how do we get practical with what it means to follow Jesus, I think we need to start by asking ourselves the question, what type of follower of Jesus are you today? What type of follower of Jesus am I today? A few more challenging thoughts coming out. Uh, The thing that set his disciples apart was that they followed Jesus to be with Jesus. They didn't just follow Jesus to see his power, to see him speak, to see him heal. Jesus performed many, many miracles. Thousands of people would crowd about him just to hear him speak. They wanted to see what Jesus could do for them rather than for who Jesus could be to them. And it was not those that Jesus called disciples. All of his disciples were his followers, but not all of his followers were his disciples. In this room today, we are either part of the crowd or we we are true followers of Jesus. And I wanna ask you, which one are you? How are you applying the being a disciple of Jesus and following Jesus to your life? Right now, is it more about what we can get from Jesus than who Jesus is to us? And that's a challenge to every single one of us, that no one stand up and say, we've got it all together. But let's ask ourselves a question. Today, Jesus is passing by and he's calling for true followers to step out of the crowd into intimacy and wonder. There's a passage of scripture and there's a quote by A.W. Tozer that really have been messing me up for the longest time. And I wanna share them with you in my prayers that it messes you up too, that it completely wrecks you, that it, that it just destroys the very fabric of how you approach God. And you'll see why in a moment. And I wanna read the scripture because, let me read the scripture and the quote. This, honestly, it haunts me. One, because I know it is possible and two, because I'm not walking in it yet. 2 Corinthians 3, verse 7 to 11. The old way, talking about the old covenant, with laws etched and sown led to death. Though it began with such glory that the people of Israel could not bear to look at Moses' face, for his face shone with the glory of God. Even though the brightness was already fading away, shouldn't we expect far greater glory under the new way now that the Holy Spirit is giving life? If the old way, which brings condemnation, talking about the law, was glorious, how much more glorious is the new way which makes us right with God? Talking about Jesus and his sacrifice on the cross. 
In fact, that first glory was not glorious at all compared with the overwhelming glory of the new way. So if the old way which has been replaced was glorious, how much more glorious is the new which remains forever? Beautiful scripture, you might think, yeah, that's awesome, it's not wrecking me right now. Well, let's look at what the glory looked like in the Old Covenant, in the Old Testament specifically, and let's realize that Paul is saying that we can expect greater things in the new covenant through faith in Christ Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit that lives inside of us. Speaks about Moses. Do you know that Moses met with God as one meets face to face? He didn't see the face of God, but scripture tells us that he heard the audible voice of God. I've met a few people who've said they've heard the audible voice of God and it's like one occasion once in their life. And I think that's amazing. Moses would daily go into the presence of God into this place called the tent of meeting and he would meet with God and have conversations with God where he heard the audible voice of God. Wow. Not only did he hear the audible voice of God, but it was, it was quite spectacular because as he went to the tent of meeting, the glory of God would come down in a cloud, also known as the glory cloud. Something you could see, something that you could witness, something you could feel. And added to that, Moses would walk out of the tent of meeting and he'd have to put a veil over his face because the glory of God was, was resonating and, and reflecting off of his face so powerfully that people were scared of him and understandably so. The guy's face was shining. And then Moses, after all of this, remember that the Israelites had the pillar of a cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night, which would lead them on their journeys. And not, not only did Moses have all these experiences, he had all of that as well. Then Moses says to the Lord, I, I, I wanna see your glory. I'm like, there's more? And God says, okay. And God leads him up the mountain and, and essentially what happens is God's presence comes and he shows him his glory and hides him in this rock because if he saw the true glory, he wouldn't be able to live. And Moses has this encounter with God. If this is how Moses encountered God, and then Paul writing to the Corinthians says, surely the glory we now have is greater. The word glory speaks about the weight of God's presence, the physical, tangible heaviness of encountering him. And he says, yes, what we have now is even more glorious than that through the power of the Holy Spirit. That is accessible to us. That nearness of God where you can hear him speak, that nearness of God where you can feel his presence, we have access to every day. How often are we accessing that beauty and wonder of his presence? And the fact that Moses was able to go from glory to glory and in depths of his relationship with God, Moses wasn't perfect. Moses didn't enter the promised land because Moses had an anger issue, but still God chose to reveal himself to Moses. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that incredible? Yet we have something that is greater than what Moses was able to achieve and was able to walk through. We have the power of the Holy Spirit living inside of us. There's another guy, just throwing this out the side, Genesis 5, 24, this man named Enoch, he was so close to the Lord, so intimate in his relationship with the Lord that the one day he's walking with the Lord and the Lord's like, actually, I'm gonna keep you forever. And this is what Genesis 5, 20, no, no jokes. Enoch walked faithfully with God, then he was no more. Because God took him away. How many of you have been walking with God and God was like, yeah, yeah, come on, come on, come on. I want you closer. And this is the most challenging part, friends. This is a quote by A.W. Tozer. Every man is as close to God as he wants to be. Right now, in this very moment, you have as much God 
or lack of God in your life as you want. Right now, you have as much of the tangible presence of God as you have sought after and asked for. Right now, you have as much of God as you want. Each man is as close to God as he wants to be. And we hear about Moses and we hear about Paul saying we've got so much more. And we look at our lives perhaps and we wonder how much more do we really want. He's wooing us out of destruction, the jaws of destruction. The world calling us in, calling us in, calling us in to destroy us. And God's saying, I'm calling you out of that into intimacy with me. But not into a tight, constrained, narrow way of living, but to a spacious place. Spacious place. Jesus is passing us by, friends. He's calling us into greater levels of intimacy and wonder, walking closer with him, following nearer and nearer where he leads. Today, Jesus is passing us by, calling us to step out of the crowd and to be true disciples, stepping into intimacy and wonder. I've yet to preach a message that doesn't challenge me to the core. And God has truly been drawing me closer this last week as I've been putting this message together. And you know what? You realize, you realize how much you want God when you realize there's a lack of God in your life. And when you get to that place and you realize that you have a true hunger, you're like, okay, I can do something about this. Because God is, he's here for us to seek. He's here for us. The Bible says, seek him, seek the Lord while he may be found. Now is the day of salvation. Now is the time of the Lord's favor. And if you do not yet know Christ, today is the day you can encounter him for the first time and put your faith and trust in him. Those disciples didn't wake up thinking that they would make a decision that day that would alter their lives and the rest of history. Yet that is what they did. Jesus passes by and they said yes to the call. And 2,000 years later, we know their names and we're talking about them and we're inspired by them. What a generational legacy. To be honest, if Jesus had not passed by, I'm sure they were great guys. I'm sure they were great fishermen. I'm sure they would have had a wonderful impact on their village. But one call from Jesus changed everything. One yes to Jesus changed everything. In ending now, I'd like to look at three practical things we can expect when saying yes to following Jesus. Three encouragements for us. First of all, the first thing we see that following Jesus, it's a journey. The call to follow Jesus will have a definite start for each of us. There will come a time where we all have to say yes or no to Jesus. But that's just the start of the journey. It's summer, officially after yesterday, winter's gone. I know it's gonna try, hang on for a few more months, but it's gone, it's officially gone. You can rest assured it's gone. So it's summer coming up, it's gym season, right? Pulling out, dusting off those weights, renewing that gym subscription, getting those summer buddies in place. How many of you know signing on the dotted line and signing the contract for a gym or picking up the first weight is just the start of the journey? I picked up weights once upon a time. (laughs) I followed Jesus back in 42. No, it's the start of the journey. Start of a journey. And the disciples, we see them, they're these rugged, tough fishermen and we see it in their interactions with Jesus and with people, but you can plot the journey with Jesus. And after three and a half years of being with Jesus, they're able to change the world by the power of his Holy Spirit inside of them. 
Why do I say this? Well, I say this because we may have put our faith and trust in Jesus, but every single day we have an opportunity to give more and more of our lives to Jesus. Every day there's an opportunity for an aspect of my life to say, yes, I'm gonna follow you, Jesus, with this. Perhaps when you first got saved, he saved you out of terrible addictions. But right now he's saying, I, wanna, I, wanna, I want you to follow me in the area of generosity. Maybe when he saved you and you said yes to following him, your relationships were a mess and your life was in chaos. And he's brought this amazing order. And I'm saying, I want you to follow me in stepping out in faith in terms of the giftings I've given you. You see, we never reach it on this journey. There is always another area of our lives that we can submit to God and re-surrender to him and follow more closely. The starting point is vital, and if you have not yet put your faith in Christ, my heart's cry is that today would be the day you put your faith in Jesus for the first time and start this amazing journey. But like Luke 9, 23 says, take up your cross daily and follow me. Stop looking back to the start of the journey and look at now and look at the future of the journey with Christ. It's more than a decision. He's calling us to follow him every day. The second thing we see when it comes to following Jesus the first is that it's a journey. The second thing we see is that there's always a leaving behind. There's always a leaving behind. And this is encouraging because we get to let go of stuff to take up all that God has called us to. But there is a letting go. There is a leaving behind. These fishermen left everything they knew. Simply put, they left their boats, they left their way of life, they left their family, they left all they knew. Are you willing and ready to leave all you know behind in order to follow this glorious gospel and this glorious king? Are you ready to throw it all away? Well, what, what can I leave behind? Not all of us are gonna be called to be missionaries. Not all of us are gonna be called to give up our jobs. And I would, I would be surprised if anyone in this room might be called to give up their jobs and become a missionary. Not because I don't believe in missions, but I'm just, I'm just saying that this was a specific call to them. But what is God calling me to leave behind? Well, Perhaps in the area of relationships, I've only known pain and rejection, and today Jesus says it's time to leave that behind. Perhaps in my business, all I've seen is dead ends and, and just struggle, and God's saying today it's, it's time to let go and leave that behind. Perhaps in your sexuality, all you have known is frustration and confusion. Today, Jesus says, follow me, and I'll show you how to leave all of that behind. Perhaps in the area of your marriage, all you have known is anger and resentment. And today Jesus says, follow me, and you get to leave all of that behind. I came upon this amazing hymn, and uh, last week Griffin shared a lovely hymn. And to be honest, I love hymns, so I don't sing many of them. But I was like, okay, Griffin, let's keep, the, let's keep it rolling. Let's see if we can get two hymns in two weeks, three, weeks in, three hymns in three weeks. But how, how are these lyrics? Let me read them to you. It says, is your all on the altar? You have longed for sweet peace and for faith to increase and have earnestly, fervently prayed. But you cannot have rest or be perfectly blessed until all on the altar is laid. Is your all on the altar of sacrifice laid? Your heart does the spirit control. You can only be blessed and have peace and sweet rest as you yield him your body and soul. Oh, we never can know what the Lord will bestow of the blessings for which we have prayed till our body and soul he doth fully control and our all on the altar is laid. 
who can tell all the love he will send from above and how happy our hearts will be made of the fellowship sweet we will share at his feet when our all on the altar is laid. Is your all on the altar of sacrifice laid? Your heart does the spirit control. You can only be blessed and have peace and sweet rest as you yield him your body and soul. The first thing we see is that it's a journey and that's an encouragement because we never quite reach it. The second thing we see is that there has to be a letting go and a leaving behind. But the third thing, and here we find hope this morning, is that there is always a progression. One of my favorite characters is Peter, one of the first disciples. He was a royal, riotous, just great guy to watch. Gives you tremendous faith reading about how he messed up and how God still used him afterwards. It's wonderful. I sometimes feel like a Peter. I always say the wrong things at the wrong moments. But even after denying Jesus, even after forsaking him, Jesus reinstates him and he becomes a pillar of the early church. There is always a progression. And I wanna leave this, talking about the glory of God again. 2 Corinthians 3, verse 17 to 18. Now the Lord is the spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all who with unveiled faces reflect the Lord's glory are being transformed into his likeness with ever increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is the spirit. Right now, the moment you put your faith in Christ, he comes and dwells inside of you by the power of his Holy Spirit. And he begins the process by which he transforms us into his likeness. Right now, while you're awake, while you're sleeping, God is working in you and in me, if we put our faith in Christ, to make us more like him. But the beauty of this is we can be partakers of the divine nature. And we not only can be partakers of the divine nature, but we can be partakers of that process. We can work with God by following Jesus more closely, or we can be passive bystanders, just, oh God, I hope you sort this out of my life. See, friends, if we wanna be more and more like Jesus, we have gotta follow closely after Jesus. Can I suggest, and I know I've said some challenging things, and know that every challenge I throw out is a challenge I've embraced myself and am embracing myself, but could, if you're stuck in your walk with God, if you are the same believer you were 10 years ago, if, if you're expecting the same things of God as you did, over a long period of time and you're just in the same place, could I, suggest that, could I suggest that there's possibly some areas in your life and my life where we can follow a little closer after Jesus? And perhaps those are the things because when we follow Jesus, there's always a progression. It's always strength to strength and glory to glory. Yes, we go through difficult times. Yes, things are hard. Yes, sometimes we gotta work through stuff, but there's always a progression. It's always moving forward in Christ Jesus. Is there an area this morning where you can follow more closely? In a moment, we're gonna have communion together and there's a song that my friend wrote a couple of years back and as I was putting this message together, I was like, wow, this would be a great song. So we're gonna take communion and I'd like to sing the song over us this morning. And uh, normally we, we, we take communion as a church and we wait for everyone to take it together, but I really feel that God wants us to take communion on our own this morning or just in smaller groups just so that we can be honest with God this morning and say, God, where do you want me to follow you more? So right now, if you would like to go and grab some communion, um, there's some tables on your left and on your right. And then I'd like us to sing this song and respond to God in this song and, and then 
then we're going to tie it up together. So grab some communion. If you don't want to take communion this morning, you do not have to feel, do not feel compelled. So I'd encourage you to grab communion and take it to your seats and begin to pray and begin to just ask God, just meet with him and we'll take it in a moment. tell you how to follow Jesus that's between you and him how he wants and where he wants you to follow but as I sing this song take the bread take the the grape juice say God we remember you today we remember your sacrifice on the cross for us we thank you that you've come to call us to follow you and as we take communion now Lord Jesus we say we will follow you closer than before. We'll leave what we need to leave behind in order to take up all you have for us. And I will follow Jesus with every breath I take. Nothing is above him. None can take his place. And I will worship Jesus as King and Lord of all. Hope of life eternal. Bow before his throne. Who is like our God? Who is like our King? Praise his name above everything. Glory to the how I long for Jesus to know him face to face life remains a mystery without his sweet embrace oh glory now to Jesus He's seated on his throne 
never to abandon those he calls his own. And who is like our God? Who is like our King? Oh, praise His name above everything. Glory to the living God who is like, oh, who is like our God? above everything glory to the living God glory now to Jesus he's seated on his throne never to abandon those he calls his own. Come on, let's sing that verse together. Oh, glory now to Jesus. Oh, glory now to Jesus. He's seated on his throne. Never to abandon. Never to abandon. Those he calls sing who is like and who is like our God who is like our King praise his name above everything glory to the living God one more time who is like oh who is like our God, who is like our King, oh praise His name above everything, glory to the living God. Pray for each one of us in this building, Lord Jesus, that this would be a week of unbelievable following after you. To those in the building who want to put their faith in you this morning, I just pray that they would be bold enough to take that step, Lord Jesus. For those of us who've known you for a long time and had that privilege, Lord God, I pray that this would be a near, near, near week to your presence, Lord God. We would encounter you, Lord. In Jesus' name.